Good evening. It is Tuesday night, August 28th, and we're live. So hopefully we'll get some good questions tonight. And that was my phone dinging that we're live. I did want to talk. You guys know we do service dog training. Well, I hope you all know we do service dog training, but we also do pet dog training. And we got the, the best dog in yesterday. Hi, Terry. Hi, Jamie. Uh, we got the best dog in yesterday, and I want to share a little bit about him because you'll be seeing him up on our Instagram and up on our Facebook, and his name's Cole. Hi, Deb. Um, Cole actually came in. He was like an emergency board and train. Uh, hi, Allie. Um, he came in because his owner, um, she was standing in the doorway, and he saw a squirrel, and he was on leash, and he took off after the squirrel, and her arm hit the side of the door frame there, and she thought she broke it. Has this ever happened to you? where something happens, you think you broke your arm. I'll tell you, whenever I was a kid, I actually did break my arm. I fell off my bike and I broke my arm. I was like seven or eight years old. And I come home, my mom's like, oh, it's not broken. Here's a cold wet washcloth to put on it. Because, you know, for my mom, cold wet washcloth and hot tea solves everything. So I put it on and I fall asleep on the couch while I'm sleeping. She comes, she lifts up the washcloth. She sees that my arm went like this. And she was like, oh boy, I think she really did break it. Uh, so... You know, that's, she was afraid she had you know, a Cole's owner that she broke her arm. So she went to the emergency room and um, luckily it's not broken, but he, it was so powerful. He doesn't look like he's a huge dog, but he was so powerful. So they called us up and they came out and we did an eval and he, he's going to be great in boot camp. So they dropped him off. They left him with us. And that was yesterday. So we got him in. They came out here at one. Uh, I think they left probably around two. Uh, so he's been with us for a little over 24 hours now. Uh, we put some video up on Instagram. Um, I'm going to put some video up, you know, quite a bit of him uh, because it's just, it's a great story. Like he was out of control. He jumps on people. He licks people. You can't walk them. And, you know, I want to make sure people know that there's hope whenever you have a dog who is so wild and so crazy and like he's lovable he's not mean or aggressive or nasty he's just wild and you know i'm not I, we got videos up last night of us starting to train him and you know him walking nicely and we worked him today and he's walking nicely he's not fixed yet it takes time to get to where you know he's good in every situation which is why our boot camp's three to four weeks long but he's going to be basically the poster child for it um, he's really, he's fun. He's getting along with our dogs. He's getting along with the cat. Um, he's, he's getting along with us. And this is the type of dog I love to get in. The dog who's so wild and so crazy. And I mean, we get dogs in who are aggressive. We get dogs in who are shy and nervous and fearful. We get dogs in who they just want to make sure that they get better. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. Cole is his name. C-O-A-L. So make sure you watch for him on Facebook, on this page on Facebook and on Instagram. And it is the, um, at dream dogs, D-R-E-A-M-D-O-G-Z. And that is our Instagram. So we actually have a little, um, I don't even know what it's called, but it's the, like the highlight reel. Maybe he's going to have his own highlight reel. If I can figure out how to do that. Right. Um, but he, uh, he hadn't been in the crate much. So we put him in the crate and he starts barking right away and carrying on. So we took care of that. He actually slept really good last night. Um, he started mm, fussing a little bit around six this morning. So Rich got him out to potty him. Um, he hasn't potty for me yet. I don't know if you think it's a boy thing or what, but, uh, but yeah, so far he's doing really good, which makes me happy. Okay.
So I wanted to share that with you guys first of all. Um, if you guys do have any questions, go ahead and type the comment, type the question, and, uh, and I'm happy to go whatever direction you guys want to go in. I did want to talk about puppies and potty training. So we, uh, I put up our, our podcast today on potty training. It's one question that we get so much, so often, is potty training. Um, and so make sure that you tune into our podcast called How to Train Your Service Dog uh, for that potty training, how to potty train your puppy. We also have a book up on Amazon. Uh, we have an online, one of our online courses that you get with our other courses. Uh, with our um, Dream Dog program or our Service Dog program, you get our perfect potty training system workshop from a few years ago. Uh, when we were at the training center, probably maybe four years ago, um, we recorded that. So that's up on there as well. And um, for puppies, for anyone, not just service dogs. See, you thought it was just going to be service dogs tonight. Um, but for anyone, I want you guys to pick the best puppy. Okay, how do you pick the best puppy? Um, you want to go and see if you can get a puppy whose mom and whose dad were happy, healthy puppies. So I cannot tell you how many times I've had somebody tell me that, you know, well, we chose this dog because we felt bad for him, which I know, like, that's what we do, right? Um, we felt bad for him. His mom was so aggressive, we couldn't get near her. The dad was tied out out back and he was trying to kill us. We couldn't get near him. Guess what? You're going to have a dog who has issues. You got to get started from day one and understand that this dog will never be a therapy dog. This dog will never be a service dog. This dog will require a lifetime of management. Um, I've also had people, you know, they get a dog and, uh, you know, how we got Jedi. You guys know how we got Jedi, right? Jedi, the German Shepherd. Um, she has passed away um, a year or so ago, but we got her. Uh, we were looking for German Shepherd. And someone knew we were, and they were in the rescue world. So they call us up, and they're like, "Hey, a litter of German shepherds were just dropped off at the veterinarian. They, the um, the breeder couldn't place them. So come on over and pick your German shepherd." So you know, Rich got him. We went over. We were very excited. And uh, there was one sitting happily in her lap, and I'm like, "Oh, is that our new dog?" And she's like, "No." She says, "Yours is cowering underneath the table." I'm like, I don't want the one cowering underneath the table. I want the happy-go-lucky one in your lap. And she says, "Nope." She says, I'd really like you to take the one cowering underneath the table because I don't trust anyone else with that one. It's the worst of the bunch. And it's a German Shepherd and I was looking for a dog to be my service dog. So we ended up, because it was just going to be a foster, uh, we ended up taking her and then we kept her. And um, she came, if you guys remember, if you guys were at the training center, if it was beforehand at Dogwood Park, if it was when we were doing um, classes out in the parks up in Gainesville, you know, I probably had her with me at some point. Um, we, she'd come to socials up at the training center, but she didn't care for crazy dogs. And she didn't care when crazy dogs approached me. Uh, you know, it was a lifetime of management. It was. It really was. And I know at least two or three of her siblings were put down for aggression. And she was the worst of the bunch. So you can, there's, if you think of um, behavior, you know, as, you know, like, here's the continuum of behavior, right? We have super aggressive and we have super friendly. Um, where your dog is going to be is based on genetics. It is not all in how you train them. It's not, guys, because these people who get puppies, who the puppy turns out to be, you know, a little demon from hell and be aggressive, 
Like that is not these people's fault who got the puppies. It's because it's genetics. It's early environment and it's current environment. And there's been studies where they've taken fearful, nervous moms, right? And happy-go-lucky moms, and they've swapped out the puppies. And it's not all in how you raise them. Because the fearful, nervous puppies who are with the confident, happy moms were still fearful and nervous. You know, um, it's a pretty interesting study. I would search it up if, if you can, because it's really interesting. And I don't remember all the details because I've got a lot in my head. Um, but people are under the mistaken impression that it's just, it's all in how you raise them. And so your dog's aggressive, then he must have been abused. No. No, and, and not every dog was abused. A lot of them are just under-socialized or under-socialized. Um, I just said that twice, under-socialized or unsocialized. There we go. Uh, you know, it, it all depends on that individual dog. But you're, you can't take a dog who's from aggression tendencies. I mean, you might be able to. There might be that 0.0001% of dogs who, who can take that and become happy-go-lucky and, you know, you can put him into daycare full of kids and he's going to go great. Um, but whenever you're talking to breeders when, about where to get your puppy at, you want to make sure that the parents are good. Um, what happened with the other puppies and other litters? You know, has she had other litters before? Has he, the mom, not the breeder, has the mom had other litters before? Has the dad had other litters before? What's their temperament like? Have any of them gone on to be therapy dogs or service dogs? You know, have any of them had to be returned from, you know, unwanted behaviors? You know, if the last litter, half of them had to return for aggression or put down for aggression because the breeder didn't want to take them back. You know, that, that tells you something right there. And then when you're dealing with the breeds who are prone to aggressive tendencies, you've got to watch it. Now, I say that and you're saying, yeah, but you think all Goldens are perfect. No, actually, um, there was somebody up in Gainesville who was breeding aggressive Goldens. I'm like, why the heck are you breeding aggressive Goldens? Money. Yeah. Money. She's no longer breeding. But, um, or he as the case may be. But, you know, it's not all Goldens who are sweet, and it's not all whatever else that are not sweet. You know, we've had aggressive Goldens come in, and it's a shame because these people, like, no, those dogs need to be spayed and neutered. Um, those dogs should not be producing aggressive Goldens. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, and <coughs> dogs who are good, you know, like Gypsy, I'm hoping is going to be a fantastic mama whenever it's time. And like I said, we still plan on breeding her and we plan on breeding Roma because we need more good service dog puppies out there. Okay. I'm going to read some of the comments so far. Catherine says, what's the best way to train your dog to be okay with bikes? He can hear them and see them before they appear. And he's fine if they are walking speed, but not cycling speed. He's fine with them too. Um, with them still too. Kids, toys, and bikes don't bother him. Well, that's, okay. that's good that some things are good. Okay. And that you know what the issue is with what he doesn't like. And he doesn't like the bike. So we do something. And I don't know anything about you, Catherine. I don't know what type of dog you have. I don't know what type of training you're doing. Um, so here's my, here's how we would address this. Cause we actually, we have a dog named Thumper in and Thumper had an issue with bikes. Okay. And Thumper actually bit someone who came up to his owner on a bike and stopped to talk to them and somebody who Thumper knows. Um, so we actually got the bike out. My husband has a bike. The bike is older than our marriage. He got it when he was in college and he still has it. It's a really cool bike and it was expensive then. But if you think of how long he's had it, you know, it's part of the family now. 
So um, so he has his bike, and so he gets his bike out, and he's going back and forth, and Luke has Thumper. And so we're working, and I got some video and some pictures of Thumper and the bike. Uh, so first we work on a nice walk, okay? We work on a nice heel, which is at my side, at my pace, and no rubbernecking. And rubbernecking is whenever you're looking over your shoulder this way and that way, and you're looking everywhere. Um, basically what happens like when you drive by an accident and you're like, oh, I wonder what's going on over there. That's rubbernecking it. So if the dog starts rubbernecking it and not looking straight ahead or not looking at you, there's a consequence involved. So we work on a focused heel, okay? And then it doesn't matter what happens, you know, because if he sees a bike and he starts, mm -mm. so there's, there will be a consequence for that. <laughs> I'm going to go get the bike. Um, and Catherine, we can work with you. Um, I want you to check out one thing, and then I'm going to tell you we can work with you. Uh, go to our YouTube channel, which is Dream Dogs, and uh, type in turn walk away. Because I don't know if it's turn pop walk away or turn stem walk away, but we do have a couple videos up on YouTube with that. And what it basically is, is as soon as your dog notices, before he even keys into it, you want to give a correction. So if they're on, say, a prong collar or a slip lead, a pop on the leash, turn and walk the opposite direction from where your dog wanted to go. So if he sees the bike one way, you're going to turn the opposite way, turn like a 180, right? And go the opposite direction. And then whenever your dog's calm and walking with you, you're going to turn around and come back and he's going to see the bike and he's going to key up, right? And you know your dog, you know, it's whenever those little forehead wrinkles start or because of the tip of the ears, how they're, you know, how he holds them or because he hunkers down his head a little fraction of an inch you know, that he's keying onto it. So right as he's doing it or right before he does that, you're going to do again, you're going to do a correction, a turn and a walk away. Okay. And hopefully you'll get closer and closer. And then of course, you know, we can work with you. If you're not local, we can do this over video session because this is something that you should be able to do. You need to be able to do it. Uh, we get a lot of people who tell me, tell us that their dogs can't handle, you know, uh, trucks or um, garbage trucks or um, motorcycles whenever they go by. And so we work them and we find that a lot of times just doing the foundation training, the relationship building, the communication and relationship and communication are key for us. That is the foundation, the cornerstone of our training. So once we get that in place, then it's just a little bit more stuff. That's like the icing on the cake and the dog's doing fantastic in, in most things. Okay. And, but that's because we've spent how many years? Luke's 17 now. So we spent like 15 or 16 years refining what we're doing, okay? Because he's been going with me since he was a kid. We'd actually, when he was younger, Rich was doing engineering work and I was doing the dog training. So we would get, I'd get a phone call. So I'd say, you know, okay, I can come out, but I have no family in Gainesville in the area. I had no, you know, no one around. So I couldn't say, you know, hey, mom, can you watch Luke? Or hey, you know, Robin, can you watch Luke? It was Robin's my sister. You know, Luke came with me. So he'd come with me to clients' houses if Rich was still at work. So Luke has been training dogs for like 15 years now, 16 years. Michelle says, after washing out two with behavior issues, I decided to go with an ethical breeder. Michelle, that is fantastic. That is exactly what I like to hear. If you'd like to share with me the name of the breeder, I, I'd love to add them to my list because it is hard to find a good breeder. And sometimes breeders that we think are good aren't. You know, not all breeders are the same. Um, the dogs who end up, say, in Golden Retriever Rescue, they're not from the good breeders. The good breeders would take their dogs back if they need to. The good breeders do health testing. Um, the good breeders do temperament testing. The good breeders are going to match you up to be successful.
you know, bad breeders are going to say, you got money, I got puppy, money puppy. Carolyn, hello, hello, everybody who's joining. Astoria, hey, how are you doing tonight? I, oh, you want to know personal stuff, guys? So you know about the PCLS and the precancer? Got a call yesterday for the doctor. I go in Thursday, this Thursday. Um, what's that? August 30th. I'm into Orlando to meet the oncology gynecologist. And um, we were supposed to have a dog dropped off at noon. My appointment's at one. I have to be there at 1230. And it takes me at least an hour to get there. So Rich was going to stay here and I wasn't going to have him with me. And so we reached out to the, um, the client dropping off and he, he's going to drop off tomorrow instead. So that means Rich can come with me to my appointment. So as long as I think I just have to get through today, I'm good. And then I'm going to get through tomorrow. So I was playing around. Him and Luke went shopping today. So I was playing around on the website a bit. If you want to check it out, I was playing with the front page, basically, adding in a different picture there. Um, Sunshine asks, that's a cute name. I like that. The best way to stop puppy leash pooling. That is really good. And then hi, Rebecca. So um, puppy leash pooling. When we get the puppies in and they're so freaking cute and they're just like a little ball of fuzz and ah, how can you like, how can anything bad happen? Right. But then you put them on a leash and they're a monster. They're a total monster and they're going to bite at the leash and they're going to bite at your fingers and they're going to try to draw blood because they're teeth. I don't think puppies have teeth. I think they have needles and we just call them teeth. Okay, and they don't lose those teeth until about four or five months old. So that means that you have usually two to three months of piranha. And you don't want to have piranha puppy. So I'm going to tell you what we do, Sunshine. And what we do is we use prong collars on puppies. Yeah, ball drop, prong collars on puppies. Why do I use a prong collar on a puppy? It looks like a medieval torture device. <laughs> yes, it does. And I'm going to own that proudly. It totally looks like a, prong, a, a medieval torture device. Prong collars look terrible, but guess what? Not only does it mimic a mother dog's, you know, picking up on the puppy, right? Uh, it is chiropractically sound, which means that they're not going to torque their neck. They're not going to torque their head. They're not going to inhibit their gait. Like a lot of the harnesses will either promote pooling or they'll cut across the legs and the shoulders. So the dog can't make a full stride. He kind of hobbles a little bit. Uh, we can use the gentle leader. The problem with the gentle leader is puppies is sometimes puppies don't have too much in the way of noses. Their noses are just little tiny and you can't really get the gentle leader on them all that well. But those are the two that I would use. I also do a lot of food training for how to get a puppy to walk nicely on a leash. Now for us, because we train service dogs, we get those puppies all out at eight weeks old. Yep, before they're fully vaccinated, we have them going out in public. Gasp, shock, on a prong collar, double gasp, double shock, right? But we do that sensibly. They don't get long sessions. They get tops of five minutes uh, of training sessions. But we want them to learn from the get-go not to pull. So Gypsy, prong collar for two solid months. Roma, same thing, prong collar for two solid months. Uh, Roma was... Um, what, three months when we got her gypsy was two months. So after that, for gypsy, I actually went to a head halter because I needed to get better at using a head halter. I'd used them a bit in the past and I wanted to get a better feel for it. So I moved her to head halter. And then when gypsy was five months old, um, she started going after my chickens. Um, we're on the ranch here. So she started going after the chickens. And so she went on e-collar. And since then, it's usually e-collar and slip lead. 
Okay, so that's Gypsy. Roma, we got it three months. Um, we, it, she just turned five months old last week. So she has been on a prong collar for two months. Again, she started going after my chickens too. That's the fun when you have chickens and you have retriever dogs because poodles are retrievers, guys. Uh, so she started e-collar um, and she actually, I've worked her a couple of times on a slip lead out in public because she is amazing on a prong collar. How, why, what? Amazing on a prong collar. Yeah, yeah, she never pulls up ahead. She's always paying attention to me. She's actually usually a half a step behind me, which works at this point. So, you know, I, I had her out on a slip lead and she's doing amazing. If she wasn't, if she was pulling a little bit more, I'd have her back on a prong collar. Um, now I only use the Herm Springer prongs. Usually with puppies, I use the 2.25 millimeter size. Uh, and then I'll switch up to a 3.0 depending on the dog whenever they're bigger. So if they're going to have more coat, um, think golden, husky, um, shepherd, you know, they, they have longer coats, so they need the 3.0 millimeter size. Um, short hair dogs, Dobermans, um, other dogs with short hair. Like my poodle could probably be on 2.25 forever because I keep her short. Um, but you know, to each his own, everybody's different. Um, if you're not going to do it right, don't start him on a prong collar. Uh, try the head halter. Uh, you could try Martingale if you want to. What I tell people is before you come to me, just, I don't care, keep them on a harness, on a normal pool harness, which is one that has like a Y front, um, not one that cuts straight across their shoulder blade, their shoulders, not their shoulder blades. But if it cuts across their shoulders, it's a no pool harness, or if it claims to be a no pool harness, um, no, just put them on like a normal puppy harness if you want to. And then whenever we get together, we will work on that because I don't want your dog pulling you. But the more your dog, so if you put him just on a flat collar, he's going to learn to pull you or she, right? And then you have to unteach pulling on a collar, right? And then you've got to teach to walk nicely beside you. Whereas if you had him on a harness, then, you know, like the harness can be for pulling. And then say in the future, your dog needs to pull you in a wheelchair. Your dog already pulls on a, on a harness. That's what the harness is for. Uh, so, you know, it works. Uh, okay. So Catherine says, thanks. Thank you for asking. Um, Astoria says, I saw the pups you posted the other day, and I'm so sad because I was going to go with the stand, uh, standard poodle, which is a spoo, for my next prospect, but I'm not ready for one yet. I'm not going to be ready to start another prospect for about two years. Oh. So anyone who's looking for a standard poodle, what um, Astoria is talking about is I have a friend up in Wisconsin named Linda Cree, and you can message me if you're looking, but she has three poodles who have tested uh, as service dog potentials. So what we do is the Volhard puppy test. That's the V-O-L-H-A-R-D, Volhard, Wendy Volhard, puppy, uh, puppy test. It has a longer name and I don't remember what it is offhand, but Google it. Google Volhard puppy test and you're going to get it. Like it is all over. Like I will send you my copy if you want to see it. And what happens for this Volhard puppy test is for the puppies between ages six weeks and eight weeks old. So before they leave the breeder, so your breeder has to do this for you. Well, they don't have to, but then if they're not going to do it, don't use the breeder. Um, they have somebody come in. Well, they have two somebody's come in and test the puppies and it scores them. So one of the questions is going to be, um, you know, how did the dog react to this? Right? How did the dog react to maybe an umbrella opening? And then it, there's going to be, I think, five or six different answers that it could be. And it could be like the dog didn't care, the dog was terrified and peed himself, and everything in between. So you pick the one that most closely matches what the dog did, right? And so you circle that and you go through all of these and you just circle. You just do the test and you circle how the dog did. And when you're done, 
um, it says, you know, if you got most, you tally them up, like how many ones, twos, threes, fours, fives. And then, uh, and then you look, and now for service dogs, you want mostly threes and fours. Think more threes than fours, but again, I'd have to look at the test, and I don't have it open right now. Um, so what Linda did is she had her puppies tested, and three of them tested to have service dog potential. So if anyone is looking for a standard poodle, uh, service dog, puppy, candidate, um, Linda has three of them available. And uh, Linda, I've worked with Linda before. Um, I've worked with her dogs before, and... You know, if I was looking and they were taller, I'd totally go for one. They're, she's expecting them to be, I think, around 23, 24 inches tall, which is about arrow size between arrow and gypsy. Arrow's 24 inches, gypsy's like 22, I think. Hi, Kathy. Uh, Maddie says, when you bring the eight-week-old puppies out for five minutes, are they on the ground or held? Ooh, that's a good one. So what we do for the most part is they're held just because they don't walk nice on a leash. <laughs> I don't walk nice on a leash, so we just hold them. So, like, what we would do with Gypsy is, um, let's see, I would, we got Gypsy in October, first of all. So, October, if you guys didn't know, in October in Florida is pretty decent. We got Roma in June. June in Florida is not pretty decent. So, Roma's been wearing shoes. Gypsy hadn't worn shoes for, you know, it was a while longer before Gypsy wore shoes because the pavement wasn't as hot, you know, in, like, December it wasn't bad. Um, so what we did with Gypsy is like I'd maybe carry her across the parking lot because it was a long stretch, put her down the potty, and then carry her in maybe depending on where we were. You know, when we went to Disney, Gypsy was nine weeks old. So I, I carried her, I'd put her down and take pictures, put her down and I'd train her some. So I had, you know, her food in my pouch. And so we'd work on focus, we worked on sit, we worked on name. That's what I worked on with a nine-week-old puppy. Uh, and then we carried her because we went to studios with her. So we did pictures on the front walk. And then I carried her all the way to the back by the Muppets because we ate at the restaurant back there. And so Ridge ordered while well, I found a seat and I put her under and we were working on, you know, chill out. So she laid down while we ate and then she was still sleeping. So we just sat there and talked, which we never do when we were at Disney. This was like the first time we actually just like had nothing to do except for work the dog. So it was really nice. And it started with the, that's what started with the whole like, okay, like we can bring dogs here and like do nothing. And this is fun. So then we walked, um, we got out, did some more training with her. And then I carried her because it was too crowded at Disney for her to walk. You know, I didn't want her stepped on or have to worry about her. So we walked and gave her another potty break, walked up front, gave her another training session, and then we were out. So she got mostly carried. Um, now, whenever I take her into, you know, Walmart, there's that whole front entrance with the cart. So I might carry her through there um, and then, you know, work her maybe by the, um, where everyone like checks out and there's that big area up front. I might work her up there while Rich does some shopping. Uh, we'd go into Winn-Dixie and uh, Publix and we just, we walk her in and, and just work her. So it was a combination of carry and on the ground. Uh, and then as they get older, you know, when Gypsy was, by the time she was three months old, I couldn't carry her as easily. Like she's always a little chunker. So, uh, so then she walked more, you know, unless I thought she might have to pee and then I'd scoop her up and get her out of there. So when she was three months old and four months old, we were at different hotels um, with Gypsy. And, you know, I'd carry her down the stairs or out through the elevator so she wouldn't have an accident. Um, Sunshine says, we have a shepherd puppy that we're getting trained for service dog for our son who has a, a brain cancer survivor. That's awesome, Sunshine. I'm super happy that you found a puppy who is going to work out for your son. Good job. Now, you know, Sunshine, we do have our How to Train Your Service Dog podcast. 
Just search How to Train Your Service Dog wherever fine podcasts are played. Um, and our Facebook group called How to Train Your Service Dog. So we welcome you into both of those. Um, we have a lot of information on both of them. Um, and Anjanette, hello. Did you get, um, Anjanette, did you get your dogs um, the genetic test ordered? Um, Amber says, but she'll watch later because she has a migraine. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, um, Amber. Migraines are not fun. Um, and then she said, wish you the best. I had a brain tumor in 2010 and did seven months of radiation, and I hope he thrives. Yeah. Kathy asked, oh, Kathy, guess what? Rich just brought in the mail, and thank you for the two head halters. Um, we will put them to good use. Uh, so thank Chloe and Jada for giving them up for us. <laughs> I do appreciate it that you thought of us. Um, so Victoria, what happens to the dogs that do not make it as service dogs but still have great training? Fantastic question. So we work with owner trainers. So say um, you wanted a service dog and you were like, okay, let's make Chloe into a service dog, right? So we'd work with you with that. Now say Chloe doesn't have what it takes to be a service dog, <laughs> right? So then she's just your, your, your pet. And if we catch it early enough, which we have because we've had dogs, one of them we had to say, nah, take him in and get him checked out. Um, he had hip dysplasia on both hips and elbow dysplasia in one elbow. We noticed this on like our second session. So for that, we, um, you know, we helped them find another dog. Hi, honey. Um, so, you know, if we catch it early like that, now, if it's because you were like gung ho on training up Chloe as a service dog and we're like, Chloe's not going to be a good service dog. Um, and you're like, I'm doing it anyway. And we're like, Chloe really needs to be washed out. We'll help you find another one. And you're like, nope, I'm going to do it anyway. Might be different. Um, but we probably wouldn't take you on. Um, or if, um, you said, okay, I want Chloe to be a service dog, not to pick on you or Chloe. Uh, and so we're working with you and you just decide to drop the ball and you're not doing it because it's actually work. It's not like super fun and play with puppies all the time. But we love Chloe. We do. Because she's, she's well, she friend. was asking what happens if they don't make it as a service dog. So um, if it's because you dropped the ball, like that's not on me, you know, I'm still there to do my part. Uh, now as our service dog um, nonprofit, get started, which I have to get those papers. Rich, I want to do that tomorrow. We need to contact the nonprofit people and get that rolling. What's tomorrow? We need to get the nonprofit started because I'm tired of putting it off and I've been meaning to like verify it with you before we go ahead and do it. Um, and Gypsy and Roma are bred and we use their puppies, um, you know, and we might do something where we're training them up as service dogs, but for that we need a full support network. So we're going to need puppy raisers. We're going to need volunteer trainers. We're going to need a whole bunch. Um, before we get there, we have at least a year because Gypsy's only a year old and we have at least a year uh, before we even look into that. So, you know, in that case, what usually happens if the dogs don't have what it takes to be service dogs and they have that training is some of them will go to be in-home service dogs if they can't handle the public side of it. Sometimes they will be therapy dogs. Um, you know, it, it, it depends, um, but they would be, you know, usually available and, you know, sometimes first offered to um, the puppy racers, you know, so like, but I don't want to like reward that either because if like, if I give you a puppy to like, you know, uh, puppy raise and you're like, I'm going to fill this puppy so I get a free puppy. So that's not good. Sunshine says she does follow the training podcast. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, so that's the, what I tell Ka um, people, Kathy, too, is, you know, at the end, you're going to have a fantastic service dog. You're going to know how to train up the service dogs in the future, uh, you know, and then we're there for them for life as well. So with our pet training, because we have two main things. We have pet training and we have service training. 
So the pet training, we have an online course. Uh, we do personal sessions here at the ranch, and we do our three to four week boot camp, which comes with a couple personal sessions, and it comes with the online course. Uh, but that's our our, our uh, privates, and then we get the group classes too. With the service dog program, we have the online course, which is 997 or 97 a month for 12 months. Um, you get the online course, or you can do personal training where you get personal training. Not like five weeks of personal training, not like five months of personal training, you get personal training. So if you live close local by and you come out to the ranch and you get together and close local by like three to four hour distance, I have people drive regularly to, to do training sessions with us because we're amazingly awesome. Uh, so we'll do the personal training. If not, we do video sessions. So it'd be kind of like this. I actually had one this morning um, and it's great. So we'll do the, the video or the in-person sessions. They get the online course, that thousand dollar online course. Um, they get, if they live close by and they can make it, we do meetups at Disney. We do field trips around central Florida. We do group classes in the villages and they're welcome to come to those. They get to text and email Rich and I. Um, so that's the middle tier of our service dog training program. And then the best, the top tier, the one I recommend everyone do because it's freaking amazing is all that that I mentioned. It's the online courses, so you get the pet course, you get the service dog course, you get the potty training course, and you get the essential oils and dog courses. All the online courses that we have, you get the personal training as much as you need. You get the group classes in the villages, you get the meetups at Disney, you get the field trips around Central Florida, and when your dog's at least five months old or older, or five months old, six months old or older, um, six to seven months old works out good, eight months old works out good, um, they come to the ranch for a five-week intensive immersion boot camp. Now, the pet dogs get three to four weeks. The service dogs get five weeks because we do a lot more with them. And we've had dogs who come out who need the basics, who need to know sit down, come stay. We have dogs come out who already have their canine good citizen. Um, they need to brush up for the public access test. Um, some of them already have passed that and they need the task training. Other ones are good with tasks and they need more of the public access stuff. Um, other ones need off-leash training and some of them need everything. So we just brush them up on everything that we have and take them as far as we can take them. So while they're with us, we'll do trips with them. Um, they come with us most everywhere. Uh, we'll, we go to Disney at least once with them while we have them at the ranch here. So they really get to do quite a bit. Um, and a lot of times, by the time they're ready to go home, they're ready to take that public access test. They're ready to pass and take, well, take and pass their three canine good citizen tests. Their task work is coming along amazing. Uh, so, you know, and the reason we include the personal training with it is I don't want you to put off training. So say you get a puppy and your puppy's eight weeks old. And you're like, I'm going to train with El Cheapo trainer down the street and I'm going to see how far I can get on my own. But I'll, I might go with you guys in the future if we need to. Um, you know, but like you said six months. So I'll wait until six months and I'll call you. Like, you know, it's the same price if you start now or then. And it actually might go up then. So, you know, you lock it in now, which is nice. Um, and you get training now. Like, you get access to the full online course now. We do private sessions now. So you don't have to wait six months. You don't have to go find this trainer and go find that trainer. And why we did that is because if, if you go to another trainer, I have to unteach what that trainer taught and reteach it the way it needs to be taught to have a service dog. And it can be frustrating for the dog and it can be frustrating for the owners and they have to put up with the, you know, that unwanted behavior that we don't want them to put up with because they shouldn't be dealing with it in the first place. 
Uh, so we just, we, we add it all in. And so the price for that guys, just to give you a heads up, if you didn't know, the online course is a thousand, the online course, the personal training sessions, the group classes in the villages, the meetups at Disney and the field trips around central Florida is 3000, which I think is a steal. Um, and then for 6,000, it's all that. It's the online courses, all of them. It's the meetups. It's uh, it, um, Disney. It's the group classes in the villages. It's the field trips around Central Florida. It's all the private sessions that you need. It's the five-week boot camp, and it's 6,000, which, like I said, I really do think it's a steal, uh, especially talking about, uh, you know, talking and seeing what some other people have paid for stuff. Dude. Uh, Kathy says that's great. They still have a place if they can't make it. Yeah, yeah. And that's, um, like I said, you know, as, as we do where we're doing our own dogs, instead of, you know, having you guys find dogs and bring them here, um, we have two different ways we can go about doing that. One is when we sell the puppies, you know, make sure that the people with the service dogs get the ones that are service dog prospects, of course, and that they're working with us or with the trainer near them for the service dog, um, possibly including that online course. Um, or, you know, like I said with the other one, you know, take them through it and then place them. And that's, I'd like to do that, but we need a, a, a huge support network for that. Um, Maddie says, I can vouch for the online course. I'm really enjoying it. I'm glad to hear that, Maddie. And you know what else, Maddie? I'm glad that you tried the prong. I'm glad that you're going to be trying the, the head halter too. We do have information on both of those, but it's not under the service dog one, Maddie. It's under the 60 days to your dream dog. So make sure that you do that one too. Cause in week two of that one, we talk about the different collars and stuff. And then we go through and like, I'll show you in the 60 day one, like how to teach sit with a prong collar, with a slip lead, with a head halter and with a martingale collar. So like we go through, we have like different dogs for each of them. And actually Chloe and Jada are in those videos. Um, Michelle says, I need to crunch some numbers and sign up for the online training. Michelle, it is really worth it. It is an amazing course. I want to add more to it, but I'm kind of waiting for the weather to, to be better Blech, right now. <laughs> um, Deb says, so awesome that Loki pays attention to you even when you're on Facebook. <laughs> That's funny. Loki is having you, I guess, the difference between sit in front. You know, Deb, I haven't even taught that to Roma yet. I mean, I just started teaching it the other day because we started teaching it to Loki. Um, so right now, you know, play around with it and see. You know, we know for Loki, the big thing is going to be that walking nicely on leash. So that's why we did the front was that we can get him onto the side um, for that heel position for you. Um, but, you know, he's also a young male who is a little bit fun. <laughs> right? He's not crazy, but he is a fun boy. And, uh, and one of the things about how he pays attention, I get that from some of the, the owners. And uh, I like to say it's because I have a unique voice. Uh, my mom, though, if you hear her talking, she sounds very similar to me. So um, my sister has, and this is like weird. So my sister sounds the same too. So the three of us sound pretty similar. Uh, and uh, her bird loves it whenever my mom gets on the phone to talk to him. Her bird, she has a cockatoo. Loves it. But yeah, we'll have clients who will watch the videos with me and the dogs are like, What's going on? I know something's going on. And it's super cute. Stubborn. He is stubborn. He is. Um, but he's, he's, you're a super special guy. And he is. He's a fun guy. I do a lot. Um, and whenever he comes out next time, maybe we could do some playtime between him and Gypsy and Roma. Because that might help out as well. But we'll do it at the end of training, not at the beginning, providing it doesn't rain or it's not too dark. Because <laughs> that's what we've been seeming to, to hit lately. Uh, is it's too dark or it's raining. Uh, good. There we go. Uh, 
but yeah, so the online stuff, like I said, we do have payment plans for it. It's 97 a month uh, for the 12 months. And uh, that's 25 bucks a week. So I'm like, that's a pizza. <laughs> and I didn't want to extend it out too far. So we wanted to, to stop it at a year um, of payments. And then the other thing is PayPal. Um, PayPal does a, um, they've okayed us for a six month, 0% interest to qualified buyers. So that's anything that you buy from us. It has to be over $99, I believe, but you can get that, you know, six months, 0% interest through PayPal, which I don't offer 0%, um, but they do. So that's, I'm a dog trainer. I, I don't want to do, go after people, you know, for money. I'm kind of doing a little bit of it now and it's my least favorite thing to do. I don't like doing it at all. So I, I prefer, you know, like finance with PayPal. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, perfect. She says about Loki playtime, he would love it. Yeah, yeah, I think he would. And that's the girls love playing. Gypsy is just, she's a nut when she's out there playing. <laughs> She runs, she tries to be as fast as Arrow, and Arrow lets her, he slows down for her. And she just runs and runs and runs and runs as fast as she can. And she bowls over Roma, and I swear she's part rhinoceros. Good. So questions, guys, type them in. I don't care how silly it sounds if it's not related to service dogs, as long as you can relate it to dogs in some way. Oh, I know what I wanted to talk about. So there's a video that I saw yesterday about a woman with her Chihuahua service service dog with the air quotes um, from a driller's game down in Oklahoma, I want to say, and they wouldn't let her in. She said her dog was an emotional support service dog and it had a service dog vest on and she could bring her dog in there because the dog made her feel better. That was his task because he just made her feel better. And the um, ticket guy, I don't know who he is, ticket guy guy, um, had paper with the ADA printed up. And he said, there's two questions you can ask. Is that a service dog required because of a disability? I assume she said yes. What task or tasks has that dog been trained to perform? He just makes me feel better. Just because he makes you feel better, that is not a task. And it's not, and this is exactly from the ADA. And I agree 110%, um, and we get that a lot, is I get people a lot who call up and they're like, I want my dog to be a therapy dog so he can come with me everywhere. Yeah, it doesn't happen that way. I want my dog to be a service dog, emotional support. And I'm like, no, there's, there's four. There's pets, therapy dogs, emotional support dogs, and service dogs. And pet dogs or pet dogs right? Therapy dogs, they visit nursing homes, hospitals, whatever, to bring love to people who don't have dogs. Maybe they know some cool tricks. They need to have, you know, obedience and manners. They can't be jumping up on people. They can't be sniffing things. They can't be eating everything off the floor. They need to have good manners. They need to have a lot of training. Emotional support dogs just make you feel better. They can live with you in non-pet friendly housing, and currently they can fly with you, but that's up in the air. Um, you need to have a letter from your doctor, psychologist, psychiatrist saying that you would benefit from having an emotional support dog. And then the fourth one is service dogs. And service dogs, you need to have a disability. And your service dog must be task trained to mitigate that disability. So if I'm not diabetic, which I'm not diabetic, but Arrow has been trained as a diabetic alert dog. That's great. He's not my diabetic alert dog. He just has that as extra training. It doesn't mean anything. 
You know, it's just because I train my dog in everything. Okay. It doesn't mitigate my disability. I'm not diabetic. So I can't go around saying he gets to come in because he's a diabetic alert dog. I'm not diabetic. Um, it needs to mitigate your disability. So one of the things he does, he'll brace, um, he'll do momentum pull, and he'll pick things up for me. So if someone said, is that a service dog required because of a disability? Yes. What task or tasks has he been trained to perform? Well, he does mobility, medical alert, and response. Well, that's not a task. Okay, here are some of the tasks. He will do brace, counterbalance, momentum pull, picking things up for me, you know, staying with me during an event, helping reorient me after an event. So alerting me to a medical crisis before it becomes a medical crisis. You know, like, oh, okay. And you don't have to give the full list. One is fine. So uh, not being able to answer that question and coming up with the answer that she did, well, the dog had his ID. IDs are meaningless, guys, especially the service dog IDs. I mean, there's places you can get them for free. Well, you can't get the ID for free. You can register your dog for free. It doesn't make your dog a service dog. And even though they're voluntary registries and you can take your dog with you everywhere whenever you buy it, it is a scam. It's just like those free tickets to Disney that never come, right? And there's free cruises that never happen. Just because you do it, if you do not have a disability and your service dog has not been tasked trained to mitigate that disability, you are not only lying to yourself and to the public, you're putting other service dogs in danger. And um, it's not right, don't do it. Okay, so, so I'm anxious to see, excited to see what goes on with this and with this drillers, with the woman with the chihuahua. And it's not because it's a chihuahua. I've worked with chihuahua service dogs. I've trained chihuahua service dogs. Uh, they're great as service dogs because they don't take up that much room. Uh, you know, there are some things you have to watch out for. But, you know, they're, they're great as service dogs. So why for hers is because emotional support is not a service dog task. Now, if, because the woman said she had PTSD because she was stabbed or something in the past, right? So that's a shame, but there's things that can happen. You know, your dog can learn so many different things. I have a whole giant list of PTSD tasks, and we work with a lot of people who have PTSD, who have anxiety disorders, um, anxiety issues, and they're one of my favorites to work with. So we do stuff like that all the time. And you can keep teaching your dog. So like I said, Arrow, he knows diabetic alert, and he's not a diabetic alert dog. It's just something to do. Um, Nicole says, Rio and Doc are doing well. That's good to hear. Um, Anjanette says, the cardiologist cert versus the clinic cert. Um, Anjanette, now I was talking about the, um, the genetic testing through paw print, I want to say. Um, Catherine asks, what is momentum pool? So momentum pool is, um, you just can't go. So counter, counterbalance momentum pool kind of work together to a degree. So counterbalance, if I lean into him, he's going to lean back against me so I don't get wonky. And so one of the things that can happen is as I get dizzy, I start maybe walking this way, and I'm supposed to be walking this way, straight ahead instead of to the side. So he will counterbalance momentum pull me forward. So momentum pull also, like if you're having problems getting up out of a chair, he can and get you up out of a chair. If you're walking, but you're walking really slow because you just can't walk any faster, the momentum pull will help. You know, his momentum will help pull you along is basically momentum pull. But because I need that brace, um, that's something I do use quite a bit with Arrow. Um, I do like the counterbalance and momentum pull. When we got Gypsy, I wasn't really thinking height. 
and um, I didn't really need it as much. Um, what had happened a few months ago is both Gypsy and Arrow were running through the house and they hit my knees, my good knee. I have a good knee and a bad knee. My bad knee is from whenever I was playing basketball up in Connecticut in like 1988 or 89. And um, this girl bumped in, well, didn't bump into me. She crashed into me and my kneecap popped out. And since then I've had problems with my left knee, but my right knee's always been fine. Well, now it's not because of them. Um, and that's happened a couple times with dogs where like a dog's popped into me uh, full speed head first into my knee. And I, one of the time I ended up like on the ground a few feet away and I don't remember a thing that had happened, but apparently I went airborne. And then this, they both popped into me. My knees bent the opposite way and holy crap that it hurt. And my good knee is no longer a good knee. So, you know, I need that brace more so because now they both are giving me issues and I'm not that old to be having knee issues. So that's why we got Roma is so she will hit the height. She'll be at least as tall as Arrow, um, hopefully a little bit taller. But, um, you know, I can use him, so I'll be able to use her for that part of it. Now, Gypsy's still, like, she's really good at pickup and, and give me something. If I drop whatever on the floor and say, oops, she comes over, picks up, and gives it to me. Uh, we're working on her medical alert and response and what to do. So I, this is me, guys. I'm in the chair drawing. You know, so we're sitting watching TV, Rich and I, and I'm drawing and he's sitting on the couch and I'm in the chair and I get up because I want to go make myself a cup of tea and I wanted to put the drawing stuff in front. Like we have like a little bench. So I wanted to put the drawing stuff on the bench so I didn't get anything spilled on it or whatever. So I stand up to put it there and my, I don't know what happened. I don't think my knee locked and I end up on my butt on the ground. My hip hurt. It was super fun. Um, and Arrow and Gypsy both would not leave my side. They were right there in front of me, licking my face right there. We're just like, oh my God, are you okay? And I was in pain. I was seeing stars and birds and everything else for a while. But yes, then I was okay. But it was nice that they both came there because in case of a medical emergency, I want them both to be right there. Um, so that's, they were laying down on top of me and it was nice. Um, Terry says, Goose is 23 inches. Oh my gosh. Oh, J Roma is not that. I have to measure her to see how tall she is. Um, but yeah, she's not 23 inches yet. Uh, Michelle says, I have PTSD and with Mac, my chihuahua, he added to my anxiety. So I left, just left him home. Yep. And she also says she's looking at total hip replacement. So yeah, I feel yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I don't want surgery. Um, I had my tonsils out when I was a kid. Luke was C-section. I don't want to go in there which is why I really don't want to do a hysterectomy and why I haven't really said too much about my knees. I'm just like, if I'm quiet, maybe it'll go away. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Um, you know, but it is, it's difficult. Uh, I'm going to see pictures of Goose. I haven't seen pictures of him lately. Also, does Goose still have his puppy fuzz coat? Um, he, or has he got his adult coat in yet? Just wondering, because Roma hasn't got hers in yet. Um, but I did take, um, I have the ankle cuffs on her. Um, well, I had the feathers and then I, when she goes out and plays, they get so filthy. And so I shorten them, but I don't like how short they are. Um, but I don't really want to shave them off until I know her adult coat's coming in. Um, because I, I like the feathers more than I like the cuffs, if that makes sense. So, uh, so yeah, I was sitting today while Rich and Luke were gone. I was working on her. I was working on Terry. I was working on getting her ear hair out because apparently guys, if you have a poodle, you have to pluck everything or shave it. And so you pluck the ear, ear hair, which is super fun. She was like, stop it, stop it, and shaking her head. Um, and then the top of her hair, 
um, had gotten pretty long and I tried hitting it with clippers, but I didn't do a super great job. So I, I sat there with the scissors and I scissored the top of her head while she was sleeping on me. And then I, I shaped up her cuffs. But like I said, I'm looking at it and I'm like, I don't, they're too small. I don't like the little pom-poms. I like the, the longer feathers. Okay. Um, yeah, your knees are next. Michelle, you're just going to be bionic woman whenever you're all done. And Terry says that um, the goose still does have his puppy coat. Okay. Cool. So yeah, those are the dogs that are saying, feed us, feed us. It's almost 6.30 and you haven't fed us. Dinner. We want food, right? And Rich is in here and I don't know where Luke is. Luke got new shoes today, so he's probably trying them on. Um, any questions? Anything else, guys? Goose wasn't happy about ear plucking, but it had to be done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, like I said, I wasn't. She didn't love it, but I'm like, too bad. And she's like, stop. And I've been checking and like they had been clear. And so now they were like, you can see, you know, fur and stuff in there. So I'm like, okay, we'll just do a little bit at a time. We don't have to do the whole thing all at once here. And Nicole said Rio should be getting his adult coat sometime in the next month uh, to six weeks at nine to 10 months old. Okay, so gosh, she still has quite a while because she's only five months old. So then I might be shaving off her cuffs anyway. I'll tell Rich I'm going to shave them off or I'll just surprise him. Look what happened. I don't know what happened. That's what happens whenever you shave off the cuffs and just see what she looks like with naked legs. But I, like I said, I do like the feathers. They're super cute. And Rio really doesn't care about getting his ears plucked. I do it with my fingers. So I got the hemostats. And so I was doing those. Um, and then as we were sitting there, I was plucking some with my fingers. And it was much easier than I thought it was going to be. So I was like, okay. Um, you know, I figure we'll do both. And I do have this. It's still in the little powder, in the little bag. But it's the ear powder um, to help grip it for easy removal. Um, and provides relief from itching. So... But yeah, yeah, got that. I need to put that over with the grooming, um, grooming kit. The fun things that no one ever tells you about poodles. Um, but yeah, but you guys do, so I do appreciate it. Okay, well, I've got to go. Your powder makes finger plucking easier. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll play around with everything and see how it all goes. Um, I shaved her body off, but I didn't do her, her face or her feet. And I'm like, she kind of looks cute with the little fuzzies on there. Okay, but I've got to go take care of them because Rich and Luke are indisposed right now. Um, feed them and take them outside to potty them and work them a little bit. So I'm going to sign off, guys. Um, check out How to Train Your Service Dog podcast, How to Train Your Service Dog on Facebook, and message me if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss next week. Because, um, yeah, we will be here next week, too. Talk to you later.